Welcome to Alive to Give Life, the online teaching ministry of Pastor Pascal Ngwe. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive City Church. He is a seasoned and anointed teacher of the Word of God. As you listen to this message, get ready for a complete turnaround in every area of your life. Now, let's join the message already in progress. Hallelujah. So, are you seeing something that we, we even, even as pastors, we need to question who we are working for. Because, we, you see, in our minds, we will think we are working for God. But when our actions are put or put together, we will discover that, in fact, our actions and the things we did was actually working against God. Because Jesus said, the one that does not gather with me scattereth. And the one that is not with me is against me. So it's like anything that you did that didn't gather the people but scattered them, by that definition, you are against Jesus. Okay, let's look at a few scriptures because I've, I've mentioned a lot of scriptures, but I'm sure you didn't know where they were. So let's start with John 6, 29. John chapter, are you going to be able to hold this thing for that long? But you won't you also listen. No, 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 no. You see, the mind can do divided things for a short time, but for a long time it settles on one. So if you are recording, you will not be hearing. Because you need, to, you need your full mind to hear and analyze this statement I make. Are you with me? So don't worry. Just Whatever I'm saying, once it's recorded, you can hear it again. Good. John 6, 29. John 6, 29. And, and one of the things that you see that we are not serious is even the Bibles we have. And please, I am anti-cell phone Bible. If you're a serious Christian, you see, I have a cell phone. I have an iPhone. I want to show you how many Bibles are on it. What is this? This one. Okay, I'll open it for you to see. What is it? Okay. Let me close it. Okay, now I'm going to show you. No, just wait. I want to. How many Bibles do you see on my phone? This is this is uh, what was the first? No, no. What's the topic here? Bible translations. Bible translations, and then this one. Bible believers Bible commentary. So commentaries, and then these ones. Every man's Bible. No, no, no. The uh, study by Bibles. Do you see, and then. Devotional Bibles. That is the Bible on my phone. Not one Bible. But I don't read it on the phone. I just use it to check. Because 
Tell me, which of you have your textbook on your cell phone? Any student here? <laughs> you do have, and you study with it. Pardon? No, no, you are lying. It's easy. <laughs> it is difficult for me. You are lying. Speak the truth. Look, we are all Christians here. <laughs> I don't focus a lot when I read from the book, from the phone. So I, I usually don't, don't look at it a lot. So why do you have, I know you don't have a Bible on a phone. Or you have a, I have it. You have it on the phone, but you have a normal Bible also. Yes. Uh-huh. You say, I'm not saying it, because if I'm saying it, you say, ah, this guy, he's coming, he wants to, he wants to impose his ideas on us. You know, we all have different ideas. Is one of you who is saying that when I'm reading the textbook, which I have on the phone, from the phone, it's difficult. So how come you, you your, your Bible you carry is on the cell phone? Of course, you, it's not a wonder that you don't read it. Can I really talk? Can I talk? You see, when I talk, sometimes people feel, who is he quarreling with? <laughs> I'm not quarreling with anybody. I'm quarreling with what you are doing wrong. It's not you I'm quarreling with. I'm quarreling with what you are doing wrong. Are you with me? You cannot tell me that as a Christian, your Bible is on a cell phone. The wisdom of this world, pastors have allowed it to infiltrate the church so much so that we are so ineffective. We are so ineffective we are not aware. You see, in the name of convenience, comfort, we have come up with things that takes away the usefulness of it. Because can I borrow your Bible? This Bible was not printed by unbelievers. It was printed by good meaning Christians. The question I want to ask you is that what is the Bible for? Zeko, you want to answer? What is the Bible for? What do we use the Bible for? Uh. No, there's no trick in it. For Christians. For? Now, what do you, yes, it's for Christians. What do we use? What do Christians use the Bible for? As a pillow to sleep on? As a deco? Nope. What do you, what do we use it for? For. No, no, you know the answer. <laughs> no, you don't think that I will ask you that question. That's why you are you are finding it difficult. But the answer you know is the answer I want. Julie, what do we use a Bible for? 
to read so that we can know what God to read. Didn't you know it? You know it. You thought I was tricking you. <laughs> no, I'm not tricking you. You see, the Bible is to be read. It's to be studied. Now, if the Bible is to be read and you present it in a format that is difficult to read, do you think people will read it? Now, let me ask you a question. What do we use textbooks for in school? Come again. Have you seen any textbook printed like this? Why? Come again. Why are textbooks not printed like this? Now, I'm not asking you. There's no trick in it. You have all the answers. Why, why do you think they don't, educators don't print textbooks like this? They want to make it easy to read because the textbook is meant to be read. So if educators don't print textbooks like this, why should Christians print te- I mean Bibles like this? Is it a surprise that Christians don't read the Bible? Because what you have typed, if I'm sitting down to read this, it's, it's very difficult. It may be easy to carry, but very difficult to read. Educators know that the things you read lying down is not likely to stick. So they presented the textbook in a way that will need you to set up. That is why they don't, they are not, you see, they are thinking of what they want you to do with the textbook and have presented it in a form and fashion or in a format or in a way that will force you to be in those positions. Because the reading you do or the studies you do that you do it in a sitting position with a pen and paper is likely to stay more in your mind than the one you read lying down. Number two, you must be extremely tired to sleep sitting down. Lying down, you may have just woken up, but you can easily go to sleep again. Therefore, is presented to you in a form and fashion that allows you to lie down to read it is something that allows you to sleep whilst reading. Because a big Bible you can't easily lie down and read. In other words, a big Bible you can't easily sleep whilst reading it. A small Bible you can lie down in the comfort of your bed. It's not heavy. And you'll be reading it. And in that posture, the devil tells your body, sleep now. But you see, you see, you see, that's what I'm trying to say that this Bible was not printed by demons or devilish people for you to say that day. It was printed by Christians. But we are not thinking along the purpose of it. 
We are thinking about the convenience of carrying. Do you get it? More than the purpose of it. But what is the use of a Bible that you carry which you don't read? When God speaking to Joshua, it's not, it's not Moses, it's God speaking to Joshua, said, this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written, that thou mayest prosper and have good success. It is the advice God, 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 the one who told Moses, let Joshua take over. The advice, when he came to speak to Joshua, the advice he gave him was, read my word. Day and night. So if we are to heed to that advice, reading day and night, then the Bible must be presented in a format that makes us want to read and that makes us read it in a posture that allows us to grasp a lot. Instead of thinking of ease of transportation and comfort. Because most of these small Bibles are printed for ease of transportation. And that is why they have advanced and say, listen, even let's make it nicer. You can have your Bible on your cell phone. You check your Bible on yourself and find out how many of them you've highlighted. Because to highlight it is a problem. <laughs> but if you believe that prosperity, whatever you want to define it, comes from meditating on the word of God, then you need to present yourself a Bible that helps this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth by reading it day and night. Yeah. So, you see, if you buy yourself an unfriendly Bible, you never read. And Satan is not, is not worried the fact that you own a Bible. He's worried if you read it. And he, he even gets worried when you start meditating on what you read. It is when you start meditating on what you read that the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you. Mm -hmm. It is when you start meditating on what you read that the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you. Because in meditating on what you read, you'll be asking questions and the Holy Spirit will answer you. But first of all, if you don't read it, what are you going to meditate on? Good, so you are tired. You are not used to stay in a place, pass your bedtime. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. I said John chapter 6, verse 29, isn't it? Good. Uh, are you being blessed? Yes. 
I'm sure if I didn't even say anything again, I've said a lot. You see, that's why I said most of my meetings, everything is in my introduction. They get it. So when you miss the introduction, you have missed the chat. Great. So John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus defines what is the work of God. Read it. Somebody read it for me. John 6, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. This is the work of God. I'm not saying it. This, this, this is a work of God. What was, what question was he answering? shall we do that we might work the works of God? In other words, what shall we do that we may be found to do what God wants us to do? And this is it. Believe on him whom he has sent. Now, this conversation started when they came looking for Jesus. They, they, they were not looking for Jesus to kill him. They were looking for Jesus to be with him. They were, going, they were coming to church. But Jesus being Jesus told them why they were coming to church. If you like, you can start reading. I think the beginning was uh, something Jesus crossed to the other side and I think he fed some people or something. Uh, that, that the feeding was earlier. Then they came. Jesus, the disciples came and said, ah, where have you been? People are looking for you, isn't it? Yeah. What, what does verse 1 say? So the story starts by a crowd following Jesus. And reason was given for the crowd following him. Because they saw 
the miracles. So the people were following the miracles. There's nothing new under the sun. This current generation also follows miracles. Look, miracles are nice. And they hold a lot of promise if you can experience one. <laughs> miracles are needed in situations where human effort cannot do it. So wherever there are miracles, you want to be there. Per chance, one may happen to you. Everybody has a problem that is beyond their solution. You see, sometimes the problem is not that it cannot be solved, but you cannot solve it. Because your resources are limited. So, to you in particular, that problem is an obstacle, it's a mountain. So, if a miracle can do it, why not? So Jesus, they saw the miracles. I think I like verse one. Read it again. After these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him. A great multitude, a great multitude followed him. Because, because reason, reason, reason. The reason is being given. Draw your attention that a person can be followed for different reasons. In this particular case, the reason is because he saw the miracles. So everybody was attending that church. Because there are miracles there. Hmm. And everybody needs a miracle. Let's go on. Yeah, go ahead. And the great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread? that these may eat. And this he said to prove him, for he, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five belly, bread, five belly loaves and two Thank you. 
mountain himself alone. And when evening was, was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five, about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one, wherein two his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. How be it, there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that, the Lord had given them. When the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Ah, what a church member seeking for Jesus. See, they, they, they did the calculation and say we need to find Jesus. Mm. They are looking for Jesus. I mean, you wish you have such church members who would travel to come to church. Isn't it? I'm very happy because people travel to look for Jesus. But we don't. Jesus answered them and said, Very, very, I say unto you, you seek me not because not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaf and were filled. Are you seeing something? So Jesus was now telling them why they were coming to church. You see, Jesus was telling them, you are coming to church because whatever I'm doing is providing you with food. Is meeting a need. You see, you are not amazed at what I am doing to question who I am. It's like, what I'm doing should make you ask yourself question, who is this person? But that is not your interest. Your, your interest is not who is this person. Your interest is about what this person is bringing to your life. And your interest is about this person is bringing what I need in my life, not what he wants to offer me. His presence brings me food. Meanwhile, he has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But you have come that he might give you food and give you more abundantly. I tell you, you know, I think the day of judgment it will be wild. And my prayer is, Lord, help us to purify our motives. 
Give us faith to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, know. you see, I'm, I'm reading the Bible to you. Do you realize I'm just reading the Bible? I'm not giving you like seven steps to this. It's like, now, okay, according to the word of God, this said this. So, you see, in Greek, uh, uh, this actually means that I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just reading the raw word. Do you get it? Uncooked. Just raw. And everything that I'm saying is written clearly without even any explanation. It's not like I have to explain that. You see, when the Bible says this, this is actually what it means. No. Jesus was telling them that the reason why they are in church is not because of what Jesus has to offer them. Because what a person has to offer you is different from what you want from the person. You get it? Yeah. Let's go. Labor not for the meat which perishes. Labor not for the meat which perishes. But that is what they are also determined to labor for. Listen, thank you for whatever you want to give me, but me, I want this one. Thank you for having, but hey, I want a good life here on earth. Do you get it? We will think about heaven when we get there. But now, give us power to have a good life here on earth. Heaven will sort it out when we are about 80 years. We'll see, we'll start. Yeah, read on. So Jesus has come to give them meat that endureth to everlasting life. Something that is unperishable. Something that would continue to count when your life here on earth is ended. But we are saying to Jesus, is this, how do you say it, Twana, uh, in, in Zulu, thank you very much. But in Twana, how do you say Gabonga? No, no. Kialeboha. Kialeboha. Okay. Kialeboha. But hey, Jesus, we need bread now. Jesus, we need a husband now. Jesus, we need a job now. Jesus, we need children now. Jesus, can we have a car? You see, and a nice one. All those mansions and things. Look, we, sort, we need to get there first, but let's enjoy here. Let's read on. And you see, Christians want something different from what Jesus had in mind to give them. So Christians are not following what will make them get what Jesus wants for them. Yeah. Even 
the disciples of Jesus, they were not interested. You see, Jesus had promised them about the Holy Spirit, but when they saw him, they didn't ask him about the Holy Spirit. They asked, would thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because, hey, we have been slaves for a long time. We want our freedom. Well, Jesus spent about three chapters talking about the Holy Spirit. But when they saw him, they didn't ask him about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what you want to give us. We, what we want from you is freedom. You can see the problem is all over. It's all, when the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new under the sun. Read on. Then, then they'll start questioning, listen, why are you now small bread that we you did, you gave us, you now you want to say that you are somebody special. I mean, listen, what you have done, is not, there's nothing special about it, in case you don't know. Moses, what you have done, Moses has done it, but Moses didn't say that he's God. <laughs> Let's go on. So, so you see, the miracle and the miracles, the person healing all manner of diseases is not a good enough sign for them to believe that this person is special. Yeah. 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 Because the evidence is there, but now that Jesus saw who they were and started talking, they said, ah, but you cry, who are you? Let's, let's analyze your miracles because the miracles are happening. I mean, listen, we have not really talked about it well. It's, it's wild, but when we think about it, we realize it's utterance. So why are you trying to see what is not there? Is it because we are following you? That's why you think you are somebody. So when Jesus discovered them, they also started challenging him. You see, up until that time, they are cool. They didn't ask anything. Just give us the bread, we'll eat, we'll go, and everything. But when he started, when he discovered that you are here for the bread, they said, ah, but you can small bread we came to get now. You are trying to expose us. But you, who do you think you are? Let's go. I came down from heaven, 
not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which, which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who seeth the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. <coughs> and they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Mama not among yourselves. No man can come, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that has heard and has met of the Father comes unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give, give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto But do you realize that Jesus didn't say that he will give them his flesh to eat? He said, this flesh I would give for the life of the world. He, he didn't even say that they are going to eat his flesh in that sense. He says, I will give it for the life of the world. Read on. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and Okay, my now he's blood, saying it. Uh -huh, go ahead. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they have heard this, said, This is an hard saying, this is a hard saying. 
who can bear. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirits and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man, ca no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered the Lord, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. The question I want to ask, the, the verse that I wanted to, you to note is just the verse 29. But I just read it so that you get the full background. The question I want to ask, did the twelve disciples that stayed, did they have to eat his flesh? So if they didn't have to eat his flesh, how come the others felt they must eat his flesh? This is, this is, where, this is where you see those who believe truly and those who don't believe. You see, those who believe, they, hang, they will hang around and say, yes, this is what we need to do. We don't know how to do it. But when the time comes, we'll be shown how to do it. You see, if Christians would truly believe Jesus as a son of God, we will do what he says we should do. Not knowing how it will benefit us, but yet we will do it. You know, I don't know how winning a soul would make all my needs of this life be met. But if Jesus says a soul is worth more than the whole world, I will win a soul. I don't know how winning a soul would translate into a good life for me, but that's what Jesus says, so I'll do it. I, that's, that's, that's what shows that I believe. Because the disciples who stayed, they said, that has the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? We genuinely want eternal life. We know that you are, we are benefiting and all those things, but that's not why we are here. The real reason is to get what you, what you have to give us. You see, true believers are willing to go through anything as long as they follow the Lord and it's in the word. But Christians of today we will believe if a 
everything is going well for us, the day everything starts going bad, that's the end of our belief. But that's why can we go to church as long as we get a job, as long as we are being promoted, as long as things are working. Let things stop working. And that's the end of our going to church. We pay often, we give our tithes as long as things are working. And that's why, you see, that's when you hear questions like, how come I'm paying my tithes but things are not working? Things don't work because you pay your tithe. No. Because what you think is not working is working. It's not working because your focal point is different from the focal point of God. Hallelujah. So this is just to introduce to you, I mean, you've seen the Bible that you need to pray about it to say, Lord, am I a true believer? Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. You need to, we need to pray about it. Because a true believer has in them or holds the words of Jesus very high. It's like what you are saying, we also don't understand it. But that you don't understand it doesn't mean that you don't know what you are saying. And that we don't understand doesn't mean that we should leave you. What we know and what we believe is that you are the Christ. the Christ. So we are here for what you are and for what you have to give us. Not what we want from you. We are willing to get what you have come to give us. Anyhow, we are willing to have it. We are not here on condition that you give it to us in a convenient way. And you see, God there he is not, he, I don't know how to say, he will do nothing to prove himself to you. In a certain sense, he is not in a hurry to show you, to convince you. Let me put it that way, he's not in a hurry to convince you. You either believe or be there. Uh, he's not in a hurry to convince you at all. He's not in a hurry to convince you. But I pray that God will help us do you get it? And, and one of the things you must pray for is the Lord to give you a revelation in your spirit. You see, that's what Paul prayed for the disciples or the Christians in Ephesus. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Revelation is light. Do you get it? So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened is like your spirit receiving a revelation. It's not you. We don't receive from the Lord with our mind. We receive with our spirit. And you must pray for it. That Lord, whatever you have for me, give it to my spirit. Give me a revelation in my spirit. When you have a revelation in your spirit, you don't operate according to common sense. You see, Peter
Peter and the disciples, they, they had a revelation of Jesus in their spirit. So even though what Jesus was saying didn't make sense to them, it didn't move them. Most of us have God in our minds, not in our spirit. So whatever God will do must make sense to us. Otherwise, we don't we disagree with him and we are not willing to cooperate and to wait. Are you with me? Yeah. But pray. So tomorrow morning, I want you to pray for revelation in your spirit. Because, you see, when a revelation is given to your spirit, you overcome the many ways by which Satan will attack you and prevent you from following Jesus. Because you have bypassed him. The information is in your spirit. It's not in your mind. When the information is in your mind, he will come and talk you out of it. Do you get it? Because your mind is accessible to Satan. He has actually been training you or he has been for, He formulated it and has been formulating it up until you met Jesus. That when a revelation is given to your spirit, you do what doesn't make sense. No, no, no. You, you see, you follow God, which will not make sense. But you'll be doing the right thing. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I see you are tired. Anyway, I'm used to sleeping late, so. I mean, I sleep around one, two. It's not good, but that's what I do. So we'll bring it to an end. Let's rise to our feet. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. To experience our services live, join us every Sunday morning from 9 a.m. at a Life State Church Sun City, located near Cornerstone Academy. Hope to see you soon. Remember, you're alive to give life.